venue upstairs where Jordan and I played and I went there on a date. It's this girl, like, they're a, they're a bar. They're 21 plus, but there was a girl there who, like, looks like she was maybe 16. I mean, maybe she was 21. Everybody looks young to me, but and she was just, like, freaking out the entire show. <laughs> like, when they started playing um, I Oh, am... oh okay. Yeah, no, in a good way, yeah. Okay. I've just, I, it's, been, it's been a while since I've seen somebody that, like, enjoyed a band that much. <laughs> And it was, yeah. uh, yeah. it was like kind of turned off at first, and then she got really into how into it she was. She was like right up front, and like when they played "I Am a Cat," she just started screaming, oh, <laughs> just like hitting the guy she was with. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Yeah. Lucky her. Yeah. Yeah. I saw them. Uh, I just I, I saw them play at Amoeba Records. Um, oh, that's cool. And like. I was in college or something. Um, yeah, it was cool. Like it was like the going to shows or seeing people at Amoeba. They're not even really shows. It was always weird because like they would just kind of like section off the stage, like and like all the aisles next to the stage. Like at one point, like at like one in the afternoon or something like that. And then like and then they would play and then that would and then they would like stop the. Sh- the the store again and then like take away all the stuff well i know like tower records did that too like uh i don't like the disco biscuits but i've seen them like upwards of 10 times live and uh one of the times was i was standing outside of tower records while they were playing back when tower records still existed yeah rest in peace yeah (laughs) um yeah they were just like in the middle of the room like they just I don't like. I don't even know if they pushed aside any of like the aisles or anything. Oh. Um, I didn't actually. Yeah, I couldn't actually get in. I was just standing in the window. I, I don't even like them. But like, it was just. I don't know. My friend went in, and another friend and I were standing outside. And we actually oh. tried to like break in by like going into this building next door <laughs> that just had an unlocked door. And oh. We like went up these stairs and everything, and we were like trying to just like push open doors that were like facing where the Tower Records was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of work to see a band you don't like hey, it's something to do <laughs> that's true that's true yeah i don't know yeah um, you, you know tower you... records uh right before they closed um i remember like I, I used to like i used to bike there okay i used to like i used to ride my tower records when i was like in middle school or like early high 
early high school maybe no i mean like middle school and yeah. um uh they had a they had like a, a, a three tapes for ten dollars sale <laughs> and you were buying tapes in middle school i was buying tapes in middle school yeah because like i had tapes in middle school and i'm like five years older than you aren't i <laughs> Well, it wasn't because it was current. Like it was, it was three for ten because of it was pretty obsolete. Yeah, but actually, I, I guess. Still, like, yeah, I guess in high school I started buying tapes again. I got yeah. a car that had cassette deck, and I started buying tapes again. Actually, <laughs> yeah, like I never, uh, like, I don't know. Like I, I had a record player. Like I asked for a record player like that Christmas. Too. <laughs> I was like just into that shit, I guess. But, um, I like. So in, in eighth in eighth grade, um, this girl who like, uh, well these like these girls that I would hang out with, um, it was like Christmas or whatever, and I like I didn't know what to, like I didn't know what the rules were for like Christmas gifts and stuff. What, like I knew people and like, what's up? Did you like one of them or something? No, uh, probably, <laughs> probably. But but at the time, like it was just like I had friends around, and I didn't know what to fucking give friends. I didn't have any disposable income really, yeah, so like, I was just like, oh fuck it, I'll like I'll do like a funny thing and like give everybody boxes of matches. <laughs> like you know, so like I bought like like fucking forty things of like matchboxes and just give them to people. I, thought, I didn't I didn't expect to get anything, you know. I guess I was lucky that uh, my best friend growing up was Muslim, so. Oh, that never, yeah. never even occurred to me. Yeah. But I was just like, I was giving off like party favors and shit. And like yeah. these girls, they like, they surprised me with a fucking, uh, like with tickets, with like show tickets to see oh, the yeah. <laughs> well, You surprised me when you helped me move and you bought me that, uh, not, it wasn't Sun City Girls, but it was Richard Bishop and Alan Bishop. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was that? I mean, I don't, I don't know if that was for anything though. Well, I moved on New Year's Eve. Uh huh. And I think you guys got out there. I forget if you came to that party or not in West Philly. Yeah, like... we we did. Uh, we met up right before right before midnight yeah yeah you got there like yep. yeah i never i guess we both got there like just before midnight because i remember i got into philly i got to oh, my no, I was, we were there before because we uh like I, I we went to the uh the art museum for a while oh yeah didn't you sleep in their parking garage or something no 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 no, no. we we got there we got there the same like the day we got there we went to the museum they met up with you and then stayed at your mom's place but uh, I mean, I thought you like said something about like you just had nothing to do, so you just like went to the parking garage and slept for a while because that's like a twelve-hour trip. That's about eight. It's about eight hours. Really? It always took me like at least ten to twelve. I mean, I ate cats a couple yeah. of times. Wait, no. You know what we did? We uh, we stopped in Pittsburgh. I just remember we we spent a night in Pittsburgh. I think. Oh, okay. That makes yeah, a lot more sense. So... That's like five hours out. Yeah. From... Yeah, did you have to go through like I guess actually no, you you're coming from Indy, so you just went straight down to the highway. So I guess like part of the thing with coming from Muncie is it like takes an hour and a half to get to the fucking highway <laughs> because you have oh. to like go through like just cornfields and like dead towns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, like, yeah, like I've been up in northern Indy or northern Indiana uh, uh, a couple times and like yeah, holy fucking shit. Like yeah. <laughs> it feels so weird, like going into a town that that is like an hour away from the fucking highway is weird yeah 
I mean, that's like where I was. I mean, yeah. I wasn't an hour away. I was like yeah. 20 minutes. But I'm from like you know, LA too, so it's like it's extra fucking weird. Like, like, like yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, I feel like I live in the sticks right now because it takes me 15 minutes. <laughs> I mean, I live in, I lived in outside Philly, so like we're not far from like Lancaster and like basically like the sticks like you go to westchester which is like right. 45 minutes outside the city and you go like a little bit further it's crazy but like muncie like i mean like there was like a corn like i could walk to cornfield from my apartment right <laughs> and, um and uh there's like if you went to the mall and just went like uh, the mall which was like straight down mcgill mcgillard i forget the name of the main street in muncie is uh if you go whatever it's mcgallard uh you go straight down mcgallard like five ten minutes down to the mall then you just make a turn down the train tracks you go a little bit further and there's an a fucking abandoned uh drive-in movie theater that's just been retaken by the earth like that's fucking crazy i'm i'm kind of offended that you didn't take me there when i was up there <laughs> nothing. like i mean I never hung out there i just uh I just drove by it sometimes, like when I returned. Like, that that sounds remember. like where you would hang out, not you specifically, but like you know, if you're like a like a high schooler that smoked cigarettes, like that's where you would go to do. Yeah, it. I mean, like Donnie Darko, like going out to shoot cans or whatever. When I was in high school, we would go to this, um, which was like a phenomenal concept for me, since I had never done anything like this growing up in the middle of nowhere, where we had one movie theater with four screens, but like we they would take me to this place where you could smoke hookah and like it was like like and they would let people under 18 smoke hookah because like they didn't really like you like you know like somebody 18 orders it and then they don't fucking watch what you do oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so like we would go and they would be like do you want vanilla they would be like tell the flavors and shit and i was like this is amazing like it was like the <laughs> coolest thing i had done in high school and then i found out that like hookah bars are like everywhere now so yeah, they're all over Philly. Yeah. And they're also in Muncie. <laughs> there was a big uh there was like a big like boom of that around Southern California. It's not it's it's not a thing so much anymore, I don't think. It's still Maybe a thing in Philly. I don't see how it can like be like post-COVID life like <laughs> Yeah, that's true, yeah. I never thought about that, but I'm pretty sure they're still here. Like I don't live far from one. At least one. I think maybe the ones on South Street closed down during before COVID even but so um my my uh ex-boyfriend the guy from India smoked a lot of shisha and then so he <laughs> took me to a place that I didn't know about when we were dating which was like not like a hookah bar per se but it was just like there was this like smoke shop owned by these like Muslims and you just go to the back and they have nothing but like football on TV and just like hookah hookahs everywhere and that was the best hookah place that I went to in Richmond. Wait, like in the this- back? What, what flavor did you get? Sorry. Oh, sorry. I always get something with mint. I like to get like fruit and mint. Oh. I, when I was in high school, I used to always like vanilla and shit like that. But now, and I also used to smoke occasionally vanilla jarums, which are now illegal in the U.S. Oh, uh, yeah. I used to smoke cloves because like, you know, Indonesian and like Kretek is like a big thing for us. Like, I would love to have more vanilla. I would love if I could find vanilla cloves again. I would probably smoke them, and I haven't smoked it like any cigarettes in. We, can't remember. We would smoke salvia, uh, <laughs> <after. laughs> um, because like uh, I we would go to the indoor swap meet, and uh, there was somebody there who didn't card, 
and um <laughs> so we'd be like six i was like 16 and like they didn't sell cigarettes they sold like little mini like filtered cigars that like that tasted like uh like like fruit medicine so i bought a bunch i would buy a bunch of those and i would buy a bunch of salvia uh, for incense you know what uh, and uh what was the salvia like? I remember when that was a thing, like fifteen. I've never years. had it salvia. Insane. It was fucking insane. It, it's, I've always wanted to. It's Why? The most, <laughs> it's the most vivid. It's the most vivid hallucination, like a uh, hallucinogen I've ever done. I never really. Like, I never oh, when yeah. it came. By, when it came like, like, by a mile, by a mile. Like I've never like. I've, I've I've done a lot of things, but like that's the one that like. Was like fucking cartoony. Yeah, I remember when it came out, people just talk about like, like yeah, I just felt like there were spikes piercing through my entire body. Oh, I didn't <laughs> like, feel that. I did feel like I was a blimp, um, <laughs> like flying over Super Mario World. Um, I felt that I was a dollhouse, um, or like and like a one of those like cutout, um, like those paper cutout like re- re- repeating things. Like I thought I was like a clown, one of those. Um, it's I would do salvia right now if I could find it. I've just I heard it's still like, selling. I, I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. It, that sounds yeah. crazy. It was like, like a smile, yeah, for, for, five, for five minutes. You lose your fucking mind. There was a. Th- this is really gonna date me, but there was a Tosh bit where he had. I don't know. They were somewhere in California where they he had a race, and you just had to go from like one place to the other, and everybody took. Uh, just like I eat different like pseudo legal drugs. One was regular weed, or medicinal, and one was salvia, and one was fuck. I don't remember. Like maybe something, some weird synthetic thing. And they were like, "Go race!" And the salvia guy just took like one step and then just like laid down. Yeah, like I can't imagine walking forward in any capacity on salvia. <laughs> Where? Why would you do that? Like, yeah. it's you're already going to be taken somewhere you might not want to go like actually like helping that along by fucking ambulating is just not not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, they should have had somebody do uh nitrous too if they want maybe oh, maybe it was just alcohol do... i don't remember another pseudo uh a pseudo legal drug was, yeah i that remember the other disco I, bought, disco I bought a bottle of ether on amazon once <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how they they let you do that they shouldn't let you do that. My friend who, um, my friend who, who ended up becoming a like an addict and you... and everything, but like yeah. the, how he got started was he just ordered opium online, like just poppy seeds. <laughs> oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah. Which I guess you can do. You just order poppy seeds online. Yeah, you can order them. the um, you you can order you can order like a lot of things. Like how how to make DMT too is like I've I've, I've done that. <laughs> Cut this what? out. Um, but <laughs> one of my most recent Instagram ads was a bunch of books about how to make acid and meth. I have a uh, I have I have a skate <laughs> magazine with an art like from the '90s with an article about how to make acid. I'll tell y'all from living in the South, I know that anybody can make meth anywhere because like where they were all always in the news, like in Tennessee, where people were like in the Walmart bathroom making meth, like just like as you get the Gatorade bottle. I don't know what you put in it, but people didn't even need to like they, they didn't even need to have like a lab like you do on Breaking Bad. Hey, Rob, remember, um, remember, uh, uh, oh, damn, I don't want to dead name them. Um, uh, but but. I, I, but I don't know their name now. But uh, uh, oh, in, uh, oh, I see what you mean by dead. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, you're, you remember what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize you. Yeah. Well, the, he. I guess right. I, yeah, I, I think so. I don't know. It's been a while. It's it's been a while since I've talked yeah. to him. But, yeah, he lived in a uh, Muncie too. Yeah, uh, and uh, right right above, like in a, in in like a four complex thing, right above a meth lab. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you do you remember them talking? I, maybe you were gone by then, but they were like maybe. Uh, they were they were saying like yeah like I don't know what to do like I keep smelling the fumes coming out of my vents. Not great. Yeah, like, I was like I'm worried about getting like exploded in the bits. Yeah, I mean that's one time where I say yeah, just call the cops. Like, cause you can die <laughs> pretty easily. Yeah, I don't know. What these, like honestly, I don't know why they they didn't. Like yeah, uh, I, I I just I don't like usually when when that conversation happens like somebody says like i think we're gonna call the cops or something but it's like uh, well, a few acceptable what are you gonna do <laughs> like go to go to their house go to knock on their door and be like hey will you stop making meth i don't want to die <laughs> oh you're affiliated coming. with the hell's angels okay well yeah. <laughs> never mind yeah uh. <laughs> go in the store do you need anything <laughs> Man, oh god, they were always like they would always find they would refer to it in the media as a meth lab. They're like had a meth lab in the fucking like Walmart bathroom, and I didn't know what that meant forever until I watched a documentary and they showed someone they wouldn't show the ingredients, but like you could kind of tell what they were. It was like Drano and Sudafed and like all this other shit. Uh, And it just had them with a Gatorade bottle just shaking some shit up. And I was like, that's the lab, the Gatorade bottle. Was it to heat it or something? I, I, thought, thought, yeah, you... I thought you needed a Bunsen burner or something. I don't know. You yeah. can have, you can bring like, you can kind of like do like a like a lighter, like like the person that was doing it was in the trailer, like for the documentary. Let <laughs> me get so... like the fucking Legion of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh god, it's that is that's 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 the worst drug. I'll say I'll be on record. I'm gonna say. What's the worst drug? Meth, I think, is the worst drug. Yeah. yeah. I met a guy at Rothbury Festival. I mean, I have a whole lot of weird stories about Rothbury, but I'll know. But there was this guy who I ran into on the way back in like a random gas station in Ohio or something, and he started telling me about like, yeah, this one time I smoked crack and uh, it was the worst thing I've ever done. Like, just yeah. could not do anything for like forty-eight hours. <laughs> I don't know how people make but, crack but, either. Smoking that type of like, I don't know. I did do meth, and it's awful. You did do meth. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've so done you it. can say definitively it's the worst drug. It's. I, I mean, it's easily by far and away the, the dirtiest, grossest <laughs> thing I've, <laughs> I've ever put in my body. That's that's saying a lot. What happened when you <laughs> took it? What happened when you took it? You know what fucking happened? Very like I I I, I went home and. Uh, I remember, like, I my my desk chair at the time was a wheelchair that I had gotten from Goodwill, so I got in my wheelchair and I was like, I'm, you know what? I I haven't written a song in a while, so like I got my guitar and I was like trying to write a fucking song. Hey, Trip. And, um, Brandon's just talking about the one time he took meth. I was gone. <laughs> and uh, and so I was I was writing like I was trying to write this fucking song and um, I look up and it's fucking daylight it's like daybreak <laughs> like i had sat there for like eight hours like i didn't get up to go to the bathroom or get water or like anything i was just uh, 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 <laughs> and like and suddenly it was daybreak and uh i was like i i have to stop doing this so it's like less coherent speed then 
it's like less coherent speed yeah it wasn't fun or anything <laughs> um but it does make you feel horrible after which makes you feel like oh you know maybe that maybe maybe that wasn't so bad maybe i should get back to that space because this is this is an awful um and then i like i then i looked at like what i was writing and it was like horrible <laughs> terrible 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 work yeah, yeah don't i don't recommend it yeah. um yeah sorry hi trips <laughs> Hello. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Um, I we I have a lot of things I'm curious about with you. The first of which, though, was just I started wondering recently how tall are you? Because you look very tall, but I can't tell if it's just because you're like skinny. <laughs> oh, it's it's mostly because I'm just very skinny. Okay, um, I weigh I weigh like 120 to 125 pounds, and oh I'm. My gosh. And I'm about 5'11". I used to be a little taller and I've shrunk in my old age um, by a little bit. I used to be a little over 5'11". Now I'm just about 5'11". Uh, that makes me want to sit up tall. <laughs> uh, well, hi. I, uh, I finally listened to some of your albums today because uh, <laughs> I bought that one off you. Oh, yeah. And then I lost it. Um, <laughs> But I still have all those cool postcards you sent me with like the Barbie dolls and like the diner and everything. Oh yeah. Is that something you, do you also do like photography stuff regularly? Uh, no, I, I usually ask someone to take pictures for me. Um, sometimes I take pictures with my phone, but uh, those pictures are ones taken by my friend Tiana, the one in the diner. Um, okay. And we just went around and I wore that, that costume and, um, I have other pictures from that one that are really, really neat too. Um, standing in front of a church with the big shadow behind me. Um, and then she took the picture of the dolls. I arranged them and told her what to do, but I don't own a camera. Um, and until re like, you know, when I was doing that, my phone didn't take high enough resolution pictures to make a poster out of it. And um, she had a DSLR camera. So she just came over and took the picture. Um, she was kind of pissed at me because I put her credit on it. Um, yeah, she's one of those people who's just like selfless. Why'd you do that? <sighs> you know, we had a debate about how to put her name on it specifically and stuff like that. You know, because she didn't want people. Yeah, it was it was a, during a weird time in Denver when there were a bunch of people stalking um, a few of us around town. We mean stalking. One <laughs> uh, uh, of like they got real aggressive with some of my friends. They started off um, uh, with me and doing weird stuff you know internet stuff and then they found out where i lived and then they uh broke into my apartment building and dumped a bunch of trash all over my door and then wrote fag on the wall all over the place um and then they eventually broke into my apartment and broke a bunch of stuff in it um and then they escalated it they were obsessed with that band echo beds that's here in town and at that time i was touring with them a lot playing a bunch of shows with them we put out a single together um you know with them on one side me on the other and uh they got offered echo beds got offered the show to open up for psychic tv when they came here and played oh, wow. in denver 
uh, and Clemens was really excited about it. They talked about it forever. And there were these two guys who lived down south in Denver and one of the suburban cities down there. And they thought that they should get that opening up for Psyche TV show. And they went a little bit psycho about it. That time they were harassing me and they were harassing um, someone else that I knew. And then they shifted all their harassment thing over to Echo Beds. And they went full board. They booked an entire tour as Echo Beds. Um, <laughs> through a, yeah, through the, through the deep south where they'd never been, so no one knew who they were, sort of. They, they were on, you know, I think they were on Flenser about at that time. And, you know, and people started calling them, like, why aren't you here? Um, stuff like that. Yeah, and then they started, you know, like, just bombarding their social media and putting fake stuff out. I had to shut down my Facebook account for, yeah, I think that was around when I ended it, because um, they weren't on Twitter, um, and they were not, I wasn't on Instagram at that time. And they then started harassing a local music critic here in town, and that's when it went insane, just crazy. So they started trying to book shows in front of Echo Beds for this music critics band um, under the state banding. Uh, and people would find out about it you know, and be like, no, 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 can't come, can't show up. And they managed to succeed one time. And what they did was they tear gassed the sound mix. Holy shit. Oh my God. <laughs> they went to trial for assault. Um, and there's restraining orders out against them. Um, they both went to jail. One went for a little bit longer than the other. Um, one of them, it turns out, has a family who got really wealthy in the marijuana business and they had disowned him because he had mental issues. Um, and they got out about a, right before the pandemic, I believe. And I don't know what happened to them. I haven't seen them around town, you know, but. But barely gone out of town the last two years. Um, this was a was, <laughs> this was more than one person, like in a. It was two of them. It was one a, main uh, instigator, you know, and he had a he had a buddy. He had another buddy too. There were three of them, and then one of them, you know, knew that it was wrong and and bowed out after some point. But the other ones stayed in it until you know pretty much the end. He went to trial. I believe he went to jail. He pled guilty, and he you know pled remorse. I believe. Um, you know, and then uh, and then he went to jail, I believe, for just like a little short amount of time. The other one went for longer because he didn't have any remorse. Was is their music any good? <laughs> no, it was terrible. It was like you know, derivative <laughs> garbage that you hear from every single person who wants to be an industrial band that wanted to open for Psychic TV. I don't know, guys. This genre of music sounds pretty pretty dangerous. Yeah, I mean, uh... I don't know. I just opened up for William Basinski and people got pissed at me about that. We're real like vocal about it. It was just what you were just doing like modular synth stuff, right? And like sort of singing and moaning. Yeah, Denver's got a real like a competitive uh, music scene. A lot of times it's real friendly and competitive. Sometimes it can be real aggressive and nasty to meet people. What I mean, I I would imagine that's that's a pretty enviable position to open up for William Basinski. It was a fun show. Hell yeah. I got to meet him and sit and talk to him in private for a little while. You know, that was the highlight of the entire evening. What's the, uh, what's, what's the, like the green room situation like that in one of those shows? Oh, it, it was in the basement of this bar. 
um, oh, yeah. down by the like, you know where they keep the the, the kegs and everything like that. <laughs> Had some some chairs. It wasn't um, like an actual venue. It was just like we have a basement with some room in it. So. No, it was it was at like one of the probably most popular bars in town called the High Dive in oh, Denver. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's he'd never played in Denver before, and you know. Denver's not a big experimental music um, society. There really? Are, Is it not? Yeah. Really? I, I mean, there's a bunch of people who so do it, but no <laughs> one goes to those shows. You, you know, when you go to those shows, you're just like, I know everybody in this room. I feel uh, like I even saw them, um, like back when I was doing my original podcast, I tried to interview this machinima artist, uh, Save Mio, who does like art projects on Second Life. And I swear, like, she had some sort of exhibit in Denver. And, like, I feel like I've seen, uh, like, like there was a Denver Noise Festival, I think, that Arvo yeah, Zyla yeah. performed at. And, yeah. yeah, I have I have the poster on my wall. <laughs> oh, cool. Do you know Arvo? Arvo Zyla? Uh, I know who he is, but I don't oh, know. Oh, okay. Um, just curious. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, does it often, is it often, like, actually get to that point like with that awful band <laughs> that was harassing you for years <laughs> no no usually it's just fine you know, it's just like the regular sort of backstabbing art scene talk you know huh everybody has an opinion and they're not very good <laughs> <laughs> were you are you from denver because i think i've seen like uh, you i'm from tucson arizona Okay, so I think I saw that you had collaborated at some point with the Sun City Girls. No, I, I met them, and I, I had a, I, I had a long conversation with them about me moving to, to Seattle. Oh, okay, but um, they, I, I look very much like a Charles causes will be cleared up, and unfortunately for you, it will then be way too late to change your final destiny. I'm sure, I do. I look like, you know, like the spitting and the older and older I get, I mean, the more hair that I lose, I look even more like him. Um, but I'm a little shorter than him. He was like six foot three. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Charles Goucher is real, was real tall and real skinny. Um, and both the, the brothers are both real tall individuals and they're real big too. Um, you picture them as like little skinny guys. Charles was a real skinny guy. And the other two were we're pretty big dudes. Um, I'm real tall and skinny and I, he was skinnier and taller than me. Yeah. I only saw him the one time after Charles died. I saw him on the brother. brothers unconnected. Yeah. I went to the knitting factory in New York and yeah, I saw the yeah. whole thing with them, like spreading his ashes into the audience's hair and stuff. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, they played at the high dive here. And I oh, yeah. think only about 12 people came Oh, wow. um, and that's the Denver scene. Really, like I knew everybody in the room. I talked to the, the club owner. I was just like, oh, whoa, no one came. He's like, I don't care. This is going to be so fantastic. Um, <laughs> uh, the guy who owns the people who own the high dive, all the various owners they've had have always been real special people who have nice, broad taste in music. So it, it maintains itself as a popular venue in Denver. So what keeps you in Denver these days? Uh, I got a nice job. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. 
I just got it. I, I've yeah. been slaving away for like 10 years. I was running an acupuncture college for the last 10 years of my You're life. Running it? Yeah. Yeah. I was the administrative director for two years of it. And then I was the registrar for eight. Oh, wow. Wow. And now I work for the University of Colorado Boulder, um, which is 27 miles away from my house. So it's a long commute, but it's a really nice job. You take a bus, don't you? Yeah. yeah. How long well, does it week. take? How long does uh, it take? Three, three hours each day. So an hour and a half each way. Um, <laughs> God. Snow snow's really bad. Sometimes it takes four hours. <laughs> it's awful. Um, there was that shooting that happened on the highway. Um, surprisingly, that didn't. They, they even like the guy who like carjacked the guy crashed his car into our bus stop. But the bus driver, he was not deterred whatsoever. <laughs> Shootout going on and cops everywhere, but he just pulled in, picked up his people, and went off. Holy shit. Um, and then we were 15 minutes late that day. But, um, <laughs> but if it snows really bad up in Boulder, then yeah, we're, it runs a little off. That's America, I guess. <laughs> but uh, so what brought you to Denver in the first place? Uh, I, I was dating someone, and um, she, she got accepted to law school up here. Okay. So I I moved up here to support her while she was going to law school. Okay. Um, yeah. When she graduated, I stayed and she went back to our hometown. What made you stay? I mean, I know you said you had jobs, but like you keep, you sounds like there's a lot of interesting stuff there, but like you say, there's like no real support and actually the complete opposite support with that one band. Oh, there, it used to be like a real, real wonderful place. There used to be okay. tons of stuff to do. And then only until recently, I mean, the pandemic stopped a bunch of stuff, but only until recently has it become so bad. You know, after that fire that happened in Oakland, they closed down oh. the, all the DIY spaces here and they were real aggressive about it. You know, they served a police order and, you know, declared the, the building unsafe, did all this shit. Um, the people from Meow Wolf and a bunch of community folk helped them out and raise money to get their stuff out of the building. Um, and then they tried to form as a nonprofit and that, you know, that's real expensive. <clears throat> and then the pandemic happened and they weren't able to sustain it and they shut down. Um, and that was like, there's one DIY space that's run as a nonprofit by this guy, Aaron Say, called Seventh um, Circle Music Collective. Mm -hmm. And they're sort of more, you know, youth oriented, I would say, in their musical taste. Uh, it's really cool and really good. You got to get a membership to it and then you can get in. And they've had lots of confrontations with the police. <laughs> it used to be a place, uh, like a hardcore punk rock metal space called uh, Blastomat. And I used to live with this girl named Esther in a shack that was made out of plywood in the back with a wooden stove. Oh my until God. The, yeah, until the police came and they told us we couldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, I knew a couple of places in Philly that I don't know. Yeah, I played in Philly. There's some crazy places in Philly. Where'd you play in Philly? I played at this like old man DIY space in 1997. Oh, um, I can't remember. I tried to look it up on some piece of paper that I had recently, but it was too faded for me. Um, when we got there, they said they hadn't had a show in years and they were doing it as a special favor to perform with Crash Worship and they wanted to have Crash Worship play at their house. Mm. Oh, they're, I mean, yeah, I mean, over the years, there's like places like always open and close. I don't know what's going on anymore, but like I know, like in 2000, like 
2006, 2007, I saw Nels Klein perform in a basement in West Philly called the Avant Gentleman's Lodge, oh. <laughs> which I've found other YouTube videos of since then, like plays happening down there and stuff. And there used to be this place in uh, North Philly called the Ox, which was just this giant uh, warehouse, like abandoned warehouse that like similar to like what you had, I guess people just like set up like shacks in like different areas and I remember like there were cats walking around. There was like some older guy like just walking around with a glass of wine uh, barefoot <laughs> while like punk bands are playing. And there's a toilet that was just a, a, a traffic cone turned upside down, put into a hole in the ground. <laughs> um, those those are the places, you know, that I love to play. And I, I like and enjoy going to shows in those spots and there's a ton of them and they're always, you know, sort of up and down because they eventually piss off the authorities or they get too popular or they're too loud or the neighbors complain and then they just disappear. Yeah. Um, my hometown had two spaces like that run by this guy, Steve I from Philadelphia. Okay. Um, yeah. And he runs spaces and had the bad brains play. He was a, he was an art oh. teacher really. Mm-hmm. And he ran like a little art gallery and he'd have shows there. And when I was a teenager, you know, when I was 18 in the summer in Tucson, he'd have these punk rock shows and the police would show up and then they pull everybody out to do a head count and then <laughs> frisk everybody down for drugs and beer because you weren't yeah. allowed to have beer in the space. But it was the only space that we had. So, you know, no one broke those rules or if they did, they just set their beer down inside before they went out. <laughs> Do you think um, Denver is going to come back from this? Do you think, I mean, cause like usually it seems like young people are always ready to turn their fucking basement into a venue. Like my neighbors fucking did it for a while. <laughs> there's, there's already a place in Denver called Hoochie hotel um, that, that has shows. Um, and then there is a, um, how, how do I want to call it? Like a beauty salon um, oh, really? day spa place that, that periodically they have uh, little legal shows in the back of their, their venue and stuff like that and then there there still is one illegal venue here in in denver that has really really low-key shows um and you guys got to get an invite or be in the know you know they they always say that stupid thing ask a punk (laughs) (laughs) i uh i don't think i've ever seen like ask a punk but like that's definitely the thing around philly like west philly especially just has like all these giant old houses and uh you just always see on instagram or facebook like no address but you see like listings for shows and you have to find somebody that knows somebody to get in yeah, know if somebody in the oh my god yeah. you guys are such like dedicated fans of what of like i would never go through the effort of like <laughs> finding finding people to ask to find to go to a show i mean i never those, actually done that those but, are all my friends <laughs> yeah, exactly like i've known people that just invite me to shit like <laughs> I just have to like go, what, what does this mean to someone? And they go, Oh, it's, it's blah, blah, blah's house. Oh, okay. I didn't know they called it that stupid name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it took friend- a lot of effort. I don't think I would have like gone to those houses. Like, I, yeah, it's not, I, it looks, it makes it looks like, like you have to like fucking do a super sleuth thing to, to find <laughs> it. But it's like a speakeasy. You know, like, yeah. Like if you go, if like you hear about it, but otherwise not. Yeah, I mean, like, I the most show mostly in shows in West Philly, I would go to see this one guy I know who would be performing at different basements around there, or else my friend, when he was in college, uh, had a basement venue in North Philly. He called the Womb, and um, uh, there was actually this one space in West Philly. 
that was really strange and like it was sort of known out there to be kind of strange because uh i he got like big name like not big name touring acts but like kind of big names like james chance and the contortions oh shit yeah and um and uh uh what's his name uh fuck i'm blanking on this guitarist name that i love uh yonson gat he had him with uh the drummer from Deerhoof, and uh also with the uh the indian medicine singers and he would have like he had like this like the sound system that was worth like thousands of dollars and it was like crystal clear and he had like lights set up and stuff but it was just a small segment of a basement it couldn't hold more than like 30 people That's fucking dope <laughs> yeah i mean i can nice. only I can't imagine like he, he even broke even on it. Like it seemed like it was just something he did because he was like a trust fund kid. He was like, I just want to bring these bands I like to my house. <laughs> you meet, you know, when you go on tour and uh, when I went on that tour of Crash Worship, you would all of a sudden find yourself at the end of the night looking for a place to stay. And Crash Worship had like 25 people with them. Um, oh, and really? one time in sure. Houston, this kid's like, well, we can stay at my parents' house. They won't mind. Um, <laughs> And he took us to his parents' house, and his parents' house was like a, a small estate. Um, and they had plenty of room for us, and they were super, super nice. In the morning, the mom made every single person breakfast. <laughs> yeah, like with the help of her daughters and her son, they let us use the showers, and they let us hang out the house, and we walked around the yards, and they showed us their estate, and it was just so, it's like super nice, and you know, crash worship, it, you know, set fire to this club the night before. And they were all like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, uh, like early 2000s. Uh, no, 1997. Oh, 1997. Okay. okay. Yeah. They, they stopped in 98. Oh, all right. They'd been around for like 20 years at that point. So. I know I Richmond does a lot of house shows. Not that I go to them or anything, but I just, so it, the reason I know about anything about this at all is because like a lot of the people who like have been in the punk or like underground music scene in Richmond for a long time now own restaurants because Richmond <laughs> is such a foodie city now. The only other, so, other job you can get with all those tattoos. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like I follow, I follow these, um, all these restaurants in Richmond cause I'm a, like a food person and, and like occasionally they'll be like so and so's house burned down. They this is a this was a house venue. We need to raise money. Go fund me. Um, yeah. And then like the the pizza place that I follow gives away free tickets to random shit. Like they're like order a large pizza now and you'll get two tickets to da 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 da. Yeah, you were saying the last time that Godspeed you Black Emperor was one. Of yeah. Them. <laughs> yep. I um I put on a house show once and like ten people came maybe and like at my house and uh my parents got really mad at me because somebody left a beer can there. <laughs> high school, it was maybe high school. Oh, actually, I put on. I, that reminds me, I forgot. I did put on a DIY show once at a Unitarian church in Media, like in Media, Pennsylvania, like out, like not really around anything. You play? Um, yeah. As what? Oh, as what? What do you mean as what? Like what what project was this for? 
Uh, it was just a well. Actually, I did start a, a band for it that didn't perform called Extreme Philip Glass. We were just gonna like <laughs> improvise and then destroy our instruments. Like we have like practice guitars we could play, oh, but yeah. then uh, nobody shows up on time ever. So uh, like we just never we didn't even bother. But um, yeah, I mean we like we had a it was like a weird sort of show. It was like mostly for like jam kids, like jam band kids. Yeah. But like we had a, so we had a my old bass teacher uh t volpone who does sort of like like bluesy sort of stuff like sort of influenced by some like some like weirder edge like tom waits but still pretty traditional but he'll do like the wheels on the bus as a blues song um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh then like a another friend who had like a folk group and then uh like a jazz like a jam electronica group and then uh and not like then it's like a straight jam band i, was, I don't even remember but yeah we i we used to do midnight movies there nobody came to and uh we ended up getting kicked out though because like people just brought hookah and just like started smoking in like the hallways <laughs> and, like uh they just left be shattered beer bottles everywhere and like i was up until like 7 a.m cleaning the place but apparently i didn't get everything and they were just like yeah you can't our neighbors called <laughs> complain like you just can't we can't do this anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I eventually in my life learned how to talk to cops and <laughs> be like real sensible and be like, everything's going to be fine. Everybody's going to leave and you know, <laughs> shut down my party. And then 15 minutes later, restart my party again. Oh, I'm really sorry. We thought everything was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that this time I really shut it down. Did you ever get arrested? I did, but not for that. <laughs> <laughs> is it uh too sensitive to ask what for uh, it was the i broke the curfew um during the the riots in denver during oh, the really? beginning of the pandemic and i got arrested for breaking curfew that's such bullshit I, I went to jail for two days it was all two days, two days? during a pandemic <laughs> yeah, they put me in the they put me in the hospital um of the 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 jail because i had had covid just uh, like six weeks before and i just fit the window where they're just like well you're not going to get stuck in the general population and so i got stuck in isolation for 24 hours holy shit. we didn't know anything that was going on for 24 hours no one would talk to me Jesus. Um, and then they released me into the general population because there's only one person in the general holding area before they're going to take me to the the jail hospital and then that guy and I proceed to get into a fist fight. Uh, <laughs> so they put me back in isolation because they said I started. <laughs> I didn't. I've, I said something smart to him, but um, I think I said, you know, you want to punch me or something stupid <laughs> like that. Because I was not in a good mood after being in isolation for 24 hours. Yeah. Um, and then I went to the, into the jail hospital where it was just me and a bunch of people basically not being able to have their drugs that they needed for oh. 20 hours and they were pissed um, and they yeah they they kept they were pleasant for 24 hours yeah i oh went on a God. i went on a date with a girl once who told me about um how she was suicidal so she called 911 but then they were out of space at the hospital so they sent her to like the jail institution or something and it's just like yeah she's like just just America fucking, is so fucked up. Yeah, she's like just stuck on cement beds with drug addicts that are like, yeah, going through withdrawal 
And um, Denver, Denver has these giant uh, plastic. Um, they look like they could be canoes, um, and you sleep in that. A canoe? What? Yeah. yeah Who sleeps in that? What? Everybody. And so you just there's there's no place to sit. There's just the floor and the canoe thing and the and the toilet thing and the water thing, which is connected right there with the toilet. Um, in the jails. In the jail, yeah. Holy sh- Jesus Wait, Christ! Is yeah, I suggest never going to jail um, <laughs> ever in your entire life, I... um, or prison, or anything like well, that. Yeah. It was I mean, not a fun forty-eight hours. The canoe thing—is that like some kind of hostile architecture thing to prevent you from sitting? Uh, it was pretty hostile architect. You know, it had one of those builds where you had to go through various checkpoints to get through things in the jail to get everywhere and they didn't tell you anything um, was one of the terror you know I got arrested and no one told me anything because I as soon as I said COVID I got stuck in isolation I didn't get any paperwork until I got to be released they didn't tell me I was going to be released they just said I was going to move into the general population and I was really happy about that because I hated the hospital um, and instead they released me um, and then when I got home and after I cried for like an hour or something um, talked to my parent well one of my parents one of my parents doesn't know about it um, and, and I did that. Then I read my papers and found out, you know, I was charged with five to seven years worth of, um, crimes because I was charged with resisting yeah. arrest of and course. then I was charged with the, the curfew violation on top of that. Jesus A curfew violation is two days in jail with all this shit. Yeah. It's usually two years in jail is the <laughs> minimum sentence in Denver. Um, uh, they can also just put you off with a thousand dollar fine. I believe it is, or 2000, something like that. I thought Denver was a liberal city. Oh no, it's it's Colorado. It's not a very liberal place. People yeah, really think that because they they legalized marijuana here and we have a gay governor. But you should meet our governor. He's not what you. Yeah, are. yeah. Unfortunately, everybody with all the various identities getting elected, like like I remember, like uh, are still horrible. Like Pete Buttigieg, like a couple weeks ago, was like you know government shouldn't get involved like it's capitalism's fault if the babies don't have formula or whatever and they will die for that sacrifice well there i mean there's there's a whole group of them in the republican party what do they call themselves the log cabin republicans my god Um, (laughs) come on um you know whatever people can do whatever stupid shit they want to it's their life um i mean they know where their bread's buttered they know like they know, like, there's like only a couple ways to get rich: just own a business, or you just like sell your soul to these like horrible yeah. organizations. So it's it's so horrible. You know, you probably went to high school with a couple people who are are immensely wealthy in comparison to you. Oh, um, sure. God, so one of my friends invented Google Chrome. He holds Wait, the what? patent along with Google for what? Google Chrome. Yeah, a, a long time ago, I used to be a um, a physicist and an engineer, uh, <laughs> and I had a, and I still played music at that point. And that's the thing that stopped me from being a physicist and engineer. And also, all the jobs that I got offered were shitty, awful jobs. Um, but my friend Jeff Nelson, who um, I, I was had been friends with since we were like eighteen, he holds the the patent on Google. He invented the eBay search engine that you use, <laughs> along with the guitar the guitarist from Harry Pussy. Who's 
name I can never ever remember. Um, <laughs> the two of them are like Jeff's a really good computer programmer, has been forever. Um, oh my god! Yeah, he's one of the creators of um, LexisNexis, if you know what that is, and what the search engine that Westlaw uses also. Okay. So wait, why? You you were gonna be an engineer? <laughs> I I wanted to be a, a physics professor. I wanted to work on uh, the superconductor super collider. I eventually did as an undergraduate when I was twenty. I worked for the superconductor super collider project, um, measuring what's called calorimeter cells, the decay of um, foam that they use to insulate the cells in. I studied that, and then I wrote a computer program for them that would take the you know, take a matrix of numbers and convert it into a pretty picture. Essentially, a wire. At that point, it was a wire diagram, and I worked with a, a silicon graphics machine. So oh. you could take that wire diagram and you could turn it and do 3D stuff with it. You put glasses on it and it would look 3D. And what you were looking at, you know, was events. And I worked with my friend Jeff Nelson, and Jeff Nelson wrote the AI that they use to analyze. You know, when when there's a superconductor, super collider, like tons of events happen all the time. And the thing that you want to look at is, you know, the good events, the ones that really mean something that you can capture really well. Um, and so there's, you know, millions of these things happening. They're happening, you know, at the speed of light sort of bullshit. And you take all these snapshots of, of them and you don't want to look at every single fucking snapshot. So you send it to an, an AI and the AI um, at the time they used neural nets. And that was Jeff's specialty with neural nets. And so he wrote it and it would just go in and analyze it. And then I would take the snapshots and I, and this other guy wrote this program that would convert it into a 3D wired um, diagram of the event. So all those pictures you see where you see those two things hitting each other and there's all these circles coming off. That's one of the programs that I wrote. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. So, yeah. And then my advisor came to me and was just like, you really like this music thing. Why don't you take <laughs> some time off and you do that? Um, and I was a semester away from graduating, and I never returned. I'm I'm an I'm an accountant now. I went back to school, and I have an accounting degree. I'm about to get a master's degree in it. So, so, wait. Uh, so, do you do anything like that still? Like, do you does has that filtered into your music at all? Like, do you build things? Like, like oh, yeah, I, I do all that. My house is a crazy junkyard of electronic parts and um, other sort of crap, um, f- full of books and stuff like that. It's really small. You can see the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, I can see your mod synth a little bit, I think. I yeah. saw the, the megaphone. <laughs> um, and there's a giant closet that's packed full of books. Um, I, yeah, I built a bunch of stuff. I never ever do anything with it. The thing that I do the most with is I have a record lathe and I do shit with that. Oh, uh, shit. Oh, wait, a record lathe. Yeah. I misunderstood that at first. So you can just, you never do anything with these. Like, you have all this cool shit. Why? I think like, you do a lot, but I'm surprised you're not doing more. Like, you could be like selling pedals, you could be selling your records and everything. Yeah, there's a bunch of people in Denver who do stuff like that all the time. Um, and it's real competitive about that stuff. And I don't like making pedals. Um, the thing that I, I've made are just sound. I, the people I really am fascinated by um, are the people who made the Forbidden Planet soundtrack. Um, okay. Uh, the lady BB, I think is her name. And I can't remember her husband's name. 
Hmm. Um, they were friends with John Cage and a bunch of those hoi polloi, the 40s. And they made these circuits that they would play in shows and they would intentionally make them so they were like living beings. So sometimes they would burn out and just catch on fire and that would be the end of it. Um, and it happened to a bunch of the stuff they would use because um, uh, it was the 1940s and 50s, um, right. early 60s in electronics. Um, they just, they required such high voltage to run before transistors. Um, with vacuum tubes, are, you put a big, big thing, a transistor in there, you know, transformer in there to power one of those things. Um, transistor, yeah. great. The main person I'm familiar with from that era is just uh, Delia Derbyshire. And, uh, oh, yeah, she's great. Yeah, but she was mostly like tape loops and stuff, right? Like just running tape across like the BBC room. and. Yeah, she played, She did a bunch of early synth stuff too. Um, but I think that the, the Doctor Who theme that she made is, is done on like a, one of the early synths. I think like an EMS, one of those ones with like the little pins that you would put in. Um, I think it's like the EMS synthy, maybe it is. Is it like, like a predecessor to modular synths, or were they modular synths? Uh, they were sort of um, uh, at the same, t- well, not at the same time, they're later. Um, the way the modular synth really works is it's Robert Moog and Don Buckla basically make them almost at the exact same time. Um, Don Buckla's about, I think, like four months behind Moog and almost every single, like, sort of thing that they did they both made an oscillator and figured out envelope generators and all that sort of stuff and they figured out oh it's really good to make an octave you know per tone and all these things and they sort of went different directions with it don buckler went sort of never ever assign anything a tone or it's cooler to use a, a touchpad that you can sort of program yourself and make it idiosyncratic and introduce chaos into it and um, uh, you know, Robert Moe was really into let's sell some some stuff. Um, <laughs> Is that the difference between like additive and subtractive? And both of them, you can do the same fucking bullshit. But, um it's just some term for a bunch of assholes who really get into synthesizers to be able to talk to to make other feel people feel bad. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's just a different. There's some different things about them inherently, and different ways you can use them. But you could, if you're smart enough, just wire them up and do the same fucking thing though the the what's called the the filter that robert moog uses for his bass stuff you'd have to go push a buckle real interesting ways to make that sound because yeah. that one's just based on really like the way the circuit's made it's a bunch of resistors put together on a lap so for some reason had a big uh had a couple big bands around the la area like who did Buckle's son, Don Buckle's son. Oh yeah, Ezra. He lives yeah, in Asheville. Uh, he lives in Asheville, North Carolina, and works for a programming company over there. I, I've Seriously? opened up for him. Holy yeah, shit. I, I met him, and I was just like, "Oh my God, your father's Don Buckle." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, what I, was I, that I, like? And he's just like, he was a dad. Like, oh, <laughs> that's what I thought. Yeah, he had a couple bands uh, in in L.A. I saw him. Uh, he, I think he started the Meishi. I didn't, I didn't see him with the Meishi. With the gowns, with the yeah, yeah. Bands. I opened up, played with gowns a couple times. They were great. Macy, oh, I played with them too. They were really great too. Um, yeah, LA always had a bunch of fun bands hanging around. Um, so you you seem to like so when you're 
like when I fuck around with a modular synth app on like my computer and like I'm just plugging shit in different places like I have no idea what the fuck's gonna happen for the most part like I can I can sort of start to like figure out like okay if I put here it's this year it'll create like this sound this will like create like an echo or delay it a little bit or whatever but it sounds like you actually like understand what is happening when you do oh yeah yeah. <laughs> I've gone real, real ridiculously far to, um, you know, to the point where I was just like, this is stupid. A bunch of people have already done this for me. What the hell am I wasting my time for? Um, and got to that realization, which I've watched other people, you know, follow that rabbit hole on YouTube videos. And then like, all of a sudden they're just have this realization. I've wasted so many hours and I can just go buy this for $189 versus the $500 that I had to spend to make it myself. Um, and that's one of the hardest things about electronics is those fucking pieces of some of the things you want cost a lot for little tiny pieces unless you're buying it in bulk. Um, there's a lot to be said for those people who, you know, you think you're getting fucked over when you're spending $500 on that thing. But they're probably only making like maybe 100 bucks at most on some of those things because some of those pieces are fucking expensive. Excuse my language here, folks. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I fell down. I, I designed this whole thing. I bought all the pieces for it. Um, it took a long time to get all the pieces because I did it during the pandemic. Um, and I had to get a bunch of stuff in China and like made in China and like put together then you know, sent to me. And that took a long, long time. And that ended up costing over a hundred bucks for something I was hoping that I could sell to people for maybe $60, $80. It's like nothing. <laughs> Uh, wow. And that's kind of the way it is, unless you, you go big or you figure it out and figure out how to get a real cheap supply of some of the things that you want. Um, some of them are just expensive, you know, like a little transistor this big that you want costs five bucks. Hmm. You know, buy a, buy a thousand of them and maybe it'll cost you three dollars. Right. But I mean, like, this seems beneficial in the end, right? Because then you you know what's firing where like you have a more intimate understanding of what's happening and why right yeah um i mean i played with synthesizers for a really long time i started off as a violist and then i became a bass player in bands um but i played in the band with a friend who acquired a you know one of those realistic um, radio shack mogs that they made in the early 80s and we went on tour with it it was great it was you know it sounds they're super if you can find one they're totally the greatest keyboards ever um but they're real old so you had to fix a bunch of things on them but we sat and puzzled like how did it work forever you know it's got all these like pictures and there's an oscillator an envelope what the fuck do you mean by an envelope you know what what the hell is an envelope you know asdr with attack sustain decay release what what does that mean and how it makes sound um, and I puzzled over it for, I, I was trying to figure it out recently. It's been like 25 years that I've been playing with synthesizers. Um, and I've got to talk to a bunch of famous, you know, musical people who play synthesizers about it. And I think I figured it out about two years ago when I decided to buy the Modular Synth. I bought one of those uh, micro brutes that Arturia makes, I think it is. Um, and it was great. It's real simple. It was only 180 bucks. Um, and it's pretty much like a, a mod, like a pre-wired modular synthesizer, and then it has a little patch bay where you can patch different parts together. And I played with that for a, a couple of years, um, and then 
figured out one day how to make a flute sound. I was like, oh, can I make a string sound? You know, and I read about what a string is and then went and sat down and turned all the dials how I thought they should be. And then I turned one ever so slightly and also knew just like, oh, whoa, there's a violin sound. Um, and then I decided that I should buy a modular synthesizer. And then I spent two years reading about it because um, they're, they're really, really expensive. Um, yeah. They're really, really expensive. Um, and then, so by that point, I saved four years worth of money and I spent the last year and I spent all four years worth of savings and then I put about $800 in my credit card Jeez. and then I have the synthesizer that I have now that I used at the William Desensky show um, but it can do everything like there's only one little thing I'd like to be able to do is to do use samples um, and I'm saving up money to buy the thing that I can do to do that but I can make it make baby cries and violins and big booms and make it sound like underwater just by a touch of a button. It's crazy. Nice. Is, is, uh, is dance music a big influence on you? Like, uh, Oh no, I, I'm not a dance music at all. Yeah. I wonder, cause like, I, I, I know a lot of like, uh, like, ex, like experimental synth guys, like they'll oh, yeah. like, they'll have this left, like this, this crate, like they'll have like a real fascination with like what a Detroit techno and stuff like that. And then there will be other dudes who are like, no, nah, it's they're like into like Stockhausen and stuff, and they don't like dancing or like Tulsi. Yeah, I, I like dancing, and I, I like going to do it, but I don't like making dance music myself. Mm. So I, I, you know, I like Stockhausen, not as much as I like some other people, but you know, I, I like noise. I, I like pretty sounds. Um, you know, and it's kind of interesting to be able to be like, well, how do I make that pretty sound? You know, mm. what is that pretty sound, or how do I? How do I get something that's really close to it that causes the person to feel like, you know, that's the wind rushing by or cars pounding past you or the feeling of anxiety, um, you know, or like the feeling of like, you're going to explode. Like I figured out a sound recently. I'm just like, oh God, that sounds like it's going to blow up any second now, any second now. And it never does. Um, and it's this generative synthesis trick that I learned. It's just like, oh God, it always keeps on hitting this pitch. Um, that's the the seventh right before the eighth, um, which you know is that like oh god the the octave is coming the octave is coming but it never hits the octave I, I programmed the octave out of the, the notes that it would select. So there's just like just just tension and like just complete like tension. Uh, kind of it hits the the fifth you know what mm. what Indian musicians would call the the heart note um, mm. a lot and that sort of breaks the tension. But it just, you know, hangs around with the fifth and you're just like, well, what's going to go on after some point on so this like drive? It revolves around like the way it's set up on my sequencers. It's a circle with a dot on the center of it. And, uh, you know, it, all it does is it sometimes it follows the circle around. Sometimes it bounces back and forth. Sometimes it bounces top and, and bottom. And when it does the top and bottom part of it, um, it hits the seventh part. And it just sounds like it ramps up and it does this run from the lower octave to the seven. So it sounds like it's going to hit the octave all of a sudden, but it never does. And the release it does have is jumping between um, the different versions of the fifth. So it sounds all of a sudden really pretty and you're just like, you're kind of satisfied. But then it goes back into the, like this racing, like, what is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? It never happens. It's it's great. It's, it's you can listen to it forever and be like, "Fuck, is it ever gonna happen?" Like, no, no, no. I took it out. <laughs> um, so I was just gonna say, does anybody? It's been about an hour. Does anybody have any other questions? 
Yeah, uh, like, I, I guess, is there, like, a kind of a unifying, like, or a cohesive sort of aesthetic of, like, Denver, or like, like, like the Denver experimental scene? Like, do they oh, it's have pretty, do you it's all, like, pretty, more influences at all? Or, like, is it kind of, is there a unifying quality at all? What, one of the things I'll have to say about Denver is there are a lot of people who play music here. Um, you know, there's, there are a lot of people who play music in Los Angeles, but when I first moved here, there was a top 200 list of bands, the top 200. Um, and there are way more bands than that in Denver and the top 200 probably doesn't give like even justice to the amount of other people, you know, there's classical musicians here. There's like, you know, the orchestra here, the orchestra in Boulder, there's mm. two professional quartets in Boulder that play a different, you know, a, a pure version of classical and a very modern version of classical. Um, Denver is great. I, I mean, it's super exciting. It's just, you know, if you're really into the DIY scene, you know, the pandemic kind of killed some of that. And then the city killed a bunch of it. And that little ghost town, you know, end of sort of situation that, you know, it'll come back eventually. It always does. They did that in my hometown. They shut down a venue and then another venue opened a couple of years later, you know, it's another venue open, stuff like that. There's, There's always house shows. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But Denver, Denver's wide and diverse. There's a whole bunch of classical musicians who are really into modern music here. The director of um, DU, the University of Denver, um, his name's Conrad. I can't remember his last name is, but he plays a varied program of modern classical music from noisy stuff to Philip Glassy sort of stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then there's the the noise dudes who dress all in black, who also are all the metal dudes. And right now Denver Metal's having a giant sort of life because blood incantation's real famous now. Oh geez, yeah. Yeah. Um and then Primitive Man is also really, really famous now. Um it was crazy when they they broke the top 40 of metal or something like that. No, oh, Blood Incantations was from Denver. Oh yeah, yeah. They're <laughs> kind of from Denver. Um you know they're like me. They're some of them, none of us lived here, but we all moved here and lived here. Okay. Long. Yeah. Uh, I used to play board games with one of the guitarists, Sterling. Um <laughs> play cave evil together <laughs> um but and then there's wayfarer and then um my friend maddie and midwife is you know having her heaven metal moment um so metal's real big in denver um there's a giant country scene um and then there's a giant americana scene here yeah yeah it's Does that inform the experimental scene at all like is there like a like a, uh, an americana kind of feel to that or like a roots is there like a Wilco? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, Earth. It, there's a lot of like Nick Cavey country, country oh, Americana here. Okay. Um, Nick Cave is extremely popular in the Denver area. There's, and there's always Boyd Rice is here. He's a fucking asshole though, and he should die. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so weird thing to be popular. <laughs> he is immensely popular. You know, man. He used wow. to run a really great bar here in town. And there was just all tiki stuff from his house. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. But he also collects Barbie dolls, too. Um, yeah. He's a he's a very interesting person, and I, I don't like him whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> he is fascinating, though. Um, you know, and he's a real good artist, but he's a fucking jerk. <laughs> um, anything else, or should we uh, wrap up? No, I think we'll send on that note. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Hey, All right. Much. <laughs>
It was Thanks nice to meet you, you folks. Have a good evening. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. Thank you. You're welcome.